Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is that background, Jody? That is you and me, John McMullen. This is Birds 365, a first for us today. A Birds 365 after an Eagle win. Seeing as they went 0-2-1 in preseason, and this game matters that much more, it's good to be on with all you Eagle fans. This is Birds 365. I got Jeff Kerr as my co-host today, because John McMullen has not left Hotlanta yet. He'll be flying back to Philadelphia today, but he joins us to start the show as a guest. That wasn't a bad debut for Nick Sirianni at all, was it, Mr. McMullen? No, man. I, I don't know how it could have went better. That was my first question to Nick Sirianni. Unless you're expecting perfection, um, which is never going to happen in the NFL. I mean, literally, it couldn't have went better. It really couldn't. you really got to nitpick to find problems. The, uh, the run support on defense early was an issue, but that got fixed pretty quickly. Too many penalties, but I mean, that's the NFL early in the season. Um, I think there were five on the offensive line in the in the first half. But again, you got you really got to nitpick to find anything negative in this game. And you know, I I think we can officially uh, uh, put the toe tag on the preseason. It is absolutely meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. John, I, I know before I went on the post-game post show last night, you gave the game ball to Jalen Hurts. I, I did too, by the way. So I just oh, that, was, that, that was an easy one. I <laughs> wanted to give it to Aaron Cipas only because nobody paid attention because it didn't matter, but he was phenomenal in his NFL debut. But nobody cares about the punter. But Jalen Hurts did, you know. And I wanted to give part of it to Nick Sirianni as well because, you know, one coach – it, it was the hot candidate of this cycle. And it was the guy on the other side. And one coach had a guy who's made the Pro Bowl five times. And the other coach had a guy in his fifth start. And the other coach clowned the flavor of the month. There's no other way to explain it. He embarrassed them. Now, they have more talent, but that was pitiful from Atlanta's perspective. It was, and it was a beatdown of epic proportions when all was said and done. Yes, the Eagles got out a little slow. I tweeted out the Eagles were very lucky to be up 7-6 after the Falcons' second possession because they were moving the ball up and down the field. I want to give Sirianni a lot of credit, too, but I want to make sure that Jonathan Gannon is not left out of the credit mix as well. We do use this word all the time in the NFL, adjustments. Was it just that the Eagles needed to – Tweak a couple of things, John, because the first couple of uh, possessions, if the Falcons didn't shoot themselves in the foot with some penalties, uh, the Eagles could have been behind the eight ball early. But damn, if they didn't shut the Falcons down from there on out, what did Gannon uh, tweak and or change that changed the defense from being porous to downright stonewall? Yeah, I, I don't know if he changed that much because he was he was he was being you know pretty multiple on the on the first couple drives as well. The Eagles just weren't tackling well. I think that was a big part of it, and they you know maybe that was uh, 
back to the preseason that we talk about not playing all that much. So I think they sharpened up as a little bit as the game went on. But then, you know, I, I think the circumstance of the game, once it becomes a two-score game, it's it changes everything, and you can load up on the run. Uh, and, you know, the most bizarre thing from Atlanta, uh, from the Falcons' perspective, was that first drive. I mean, the Eagles couldn't do anything with Calvin Ridley. We talked about the running game, but I think – he was three of three on targets. And then uh, I'm sitting there at halftime and I looked at a few of the writers and I'm like, did Ridley get hurt? Did I miss it? They just stopped <laughs> going to him. So you see this a lot with coaches in this league. They script, you know, that's a little bit overblown, but if everything goes perfectly, they script the first 15 plays. And then once you get off that script, they just forget. And they, they, you know, I, I don't know how other another way to describe it, but by the time he got back to it, uh, it the game was over. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Eagles did, as I said, you know, there were two teams in the NFL, and Jody, you know, this last year that didn't score 30 points, and it was the Jets and the Eagles. Um, game one over 30 points, Jonathan Gannon. I'll tell you what, if you average 260 yards or whatever it is on defense, you're going to have the number one ranked defense in the NFL. And if you give up six points in a game, you're going to have the number one ranked scoring defense. So I don't know how it could have went better. Maybe New Orleans, that type of atmosphere. But other than the Saints, I mean, they were arguably the most impressive team in week one. John, one thing I noticed in this game, I thought Kyle Pitts was going to become a huge problem for them. What did Jonathan Gannon do after those first two series? Because he was pretty much just a non-factor at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of that was it just I talk about rookies all the time. You got to, I mean, as talented as you are, you got to get used to it. And and he seemed a little bit uh, overwhelmed at least early. I'm not sure. It was the Eagles as much as uh, Kyle just had a difficult time in his first NFL game, and he's not the first. Um, and Devontae Smith on the other side of the coin was just fine. So that was a big positive for the Eagles as well. I, I just think he looked a little bit, uh, I don't want to say nervous. I don't know what word you want to use, but I just think he was out of sorts more than anything else. And, I, I you know, the one thing I got right is it's, I said, I didn't like the spot. I picked the Falcons in the game. Uh, but I did say Pitts probably won't be what he is later in the season. Uh, and he wasn't. And and hopefully for the Falcons, uh, he can settle down. But, yeah, he did, he did not play well. It wasn't really a factor at all. And let me come to the defense of one of the Eagles who, as you mentioned, John, you really got to nitpick to find things wrong with the Eagles. But – Everybody does in all their columns have the winners and losers after the game. And this guy got a couple of loser votes. Um, and that was Avante Maddox. I think he got pits on most coverages all day long. All right. Yeah, he missed a couple tackles. I'm not, not going to look past that. Uh, so that's why he ended up on the loser column. But if Pitts didn't make plays, yeah, you can write it off to he looked like a rookie or the coverage wasn't that bad. And Avante Maddox has given up about a foot and a half to Pitts. I actually thought Avante Maddox did not play badly yesterday, although he did come under a couple of media critics' eye as a guy who didn't have the best of games. 
I, I would give him a passing grade for his first effort and give him some credit for keeping Pitts under wraps. Yeah, I mean, well, that's part of that. I was one of those that pointed out Avante because of the tackling issues. But it is nitpicking. you got to find something if you're trying. I, I mean, I probably should have thrown Eric Wilson in there as well, at least early. Um, and that's just one I would put a little asterisk next to, especially with San Francisco coming in this week because – the one thing I come out of this game questioning is the Eagles' uh, run defense and really more of the linebackers than anything else. Um, and, you know, San Francisco's known for years. I mean, they have the most complicated rushing scheme in the NFL. They have one of the best. Kyle Shanahan does it probably better than anybody else. So that's going to be a big test. So just put an early note on that. But, um yeah, I mean, uh, Avante, the Eagles were going to throw a bunch of different looks at Kyle Pitts, and they did. Um, and Avante is part of it. And it's not that he played poorly. It, it, to me, it's a little bit disappointing because he's such a good athlete, especially when he's in open, uh, in open field tackles. I think he should do a better job. But hopefully that's just the preseason. The September is the new August, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully – you know, as they ramp up to it in a couple of weeks, uh, that gets cleaned up a little bit. John, switching to the offensive side of the ball, we want to talk about rookies. I thought Devonta Smith had a tremendous debut for a player making uh, his first career start. Um, matches Sean Jackson's record for catches. He's the only player in Eagles franchise history that had five catches and a touchdown in his debut. What was what were your thoughts on Devonta Smith's performance? Yeah, I mean, I I thought he was great. I I thought Nick's game plan was great. I thought, you know, he got the football. He made things easy easy for Jalen Hurts. Uh, I thought it was a perfect example of taking advantage of the strengths uh, of the players you have. Um, He's brought a college offense to the pro level. And I always tell Jody, it's it's not trickle down in this industry. It's trickle up. and he, that's, he looked at Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager and, and Quez Watkins and said, okay, what do these guys do well? And he went back to their college tape, and that's what he's doing. And from Hurts' perspective, you know, that was probably uh, one of the deepest throws he had in the game was the touchdown pass other than um, the Zach Hurts play, which is a little bit underthrown, to be honest. Um, and, you know, Devontae won off the line of scrimmage and it was a great throw, but you can sense the confidence growing because of the, the quick hitches, the, the bubble screens, the start the game, the just getting a rhythm. And we talked all off season, 52%, 52%, 52%, week one, 77%. Now I, I it's not like Jalen is again, throwing it 25 yards down the field. But you can see how it it breeds confidence. Those quick, easy completions, and then when you gotta throw it down the field, you just feel better about yourself. Yes. I can't say enough good things about Nick Sirianni this morning. I want to say bad things, but I can't. <laughs> Sirianni and Hurts they go hand in hand, of course. And uh, the thing that impressed me the most uh, about Sirianni was the drive at the end of the first half. A perfect test. You get the ball back, less than two minutes to go. You've got your timeouts. You got 70 yards to go. Can you stick the ball in the end? Can you at least get a field goal? 
No, they got it all the way down, stuck the ball in the end. Even after losing a touchdown on that Lane Johnson downfield penalty, which was accurate, they gave you a great replay on it. Lane just kind of got caught. To have to score twice to get the points before half, it's the quarterback, it's the coach, it's the play calling, it's the time management, which we like to second guess a lot here in town. He checked every single box that between the two of them, they both did with that touchdown before the half. And I felt very good going out for my halftime cigarettes and damn, the birds look good. Yeah, they did. Uh, and and then the second half was just uh, complete domination. But that was really, you know, once they extended the lead um, from 7-6 and that was the touchdown, you know, that, that really, I, I mean, Atlanta was dead in the water at that point, whether we knew it. Uh, or not and then they got obviously uh, because of the penalty they got the the two-point conversion as well so that was a a smart decision to go for that Um, once once that happened I I don't know you guys probably saw it better than me it looked like Dallas that ball might have hit the turf I don't know but uh, couldn't tell from the replay from the replay couldn't tell it may have but you couldn't see it so they called it a touchdown they They couldn't overturn it. it You know, that's one where it's good. You're not the Sunday night game, so you're taking advantage. You don't have as many angles. But, um, hey, uh, it, it, it worked out for them, and uh, it, it ended up being a great drive. I think it was 12 plays, so it wasn't just the last play. And that was that was a tight window throw, uh, one where maybe you said, eh, maybe don't try to fit that in there, and it ended up working well. So, uh, yeah, everything came up roses for this team. Um and, and and now we're going to see um, – and Jalen Hurts talks about this a lot because, you know, when he goes back – he always talks about rat poison. He goes back to Alabama with Nick Saban. And he always points out – people assume that's negative stuff. In Alabama, it's positive stuff as well because everybody's telling those guys how great they are all the time, how, you know, how they beat up on everybody every week, which is true. And, and Saban tells him, you know, don't listen to that either. Because if, if the Eagles are going to listen to all the accolades and how great they are, you know, they're not going to be ready for San Francisco. So it's another impressive thing about the quarterback. It's the same guy after after a big blowout win, 77%, everything great, same guy. John, that throw from Jalen Hurts to Dallas Goddard, I thought – Outside of Patrick Mahomes, that was the second best throw by any quarterback in the league yesterday. Was that the best throw Jalen Hurts has ever made? Uh, it might be. Uh, you know, it's tight. I, it, it kind of because I think the most. See, I look at it in different way, Jeff. Because I think the most impressive part of all the statistics and Jalen Hurts and third guy, you know, that crazy number you see going around, third guy in history. 250 yards, 70 plus percent, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 60 yards rushing. I mean, I don't care about that other than to say there's not a lot of guys that can do that if they're clicking on all cylinders. So that's more important to me. But I I think the one thing about Jalen Hurts that was the best of all was his decision making. So I, I, I look at it different. Was that the best decision? It worked, but do you want to try to? fit that football in there, sometimes it's not going to work. So it depends how you look at it. If you want to, I'm trying to nitpick and come up with some negatives. 
That's okay. You don't have to do that, John. If we're pushing you to that, uh, we're not trying. But um, here's what I liked about Jalen's decision-making yesterday. And he did something that is going to be part of his success in the NFL if he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback. And damn, he sure looked like one yesterday. He makes plays with his legs. Some are scripted on RPOs and other improvised when he drops back into the pocket and it's not there. What I liked yesterday was – he did most of his running down the sidelines. And, John, you and I talk enough about Jalen, the fact that he's a uh, power lifter and he looks more like a fullback than a scat back if he's doing his running. And you'd be tempted when you've got that kind of strength to drop a shoulder and turn it upfield and get the extra yard. Yesterday, he scampered out of bounds a couple times. And he said, I'm going to get what I'm going to get, but I'm not going to get touched. And that's what you need to have with your quarterback because you need him on the field. People worry about Devonta Smith because of, his, because of his frame. I worry more about Jalen Hurts because of his frame because I fear he might try and get those extra yards and end up hurting himself. Didn't yesterday, took what he could get down the sidelines and then got the hell out of bounds. I thought that was a, a very important part of Jalen's very successful yesterday. Yeah, and I, you know, that's part of that decision-making. Even, uh, you know, the the fourth down, they didn't convert where he was kind of flush and right and, and, and realized at the last minute, uh, well, this is going nowhere, but I'm not going to lose 10, whatever it would have been, 10, 15 yards on top of it, uh, and threw it uh, out of bounds at the last second. I, it's, always, it's always fun when you see a young quarterback you know, making the right decisions. Cause that's when you get in trouble when you make bad decisions, you didn't see a lot of bad decisions from Jalen hurts yesterday. And that to me is the most, again, the most impressive part of the entire performance. John, one matchup I was really excited to see was the Eagles defensive line versus the Falcons offensive line. And boy, did uh Eagles defensive line put a hurting on Matt Ryan that second half. Yeah, the second half, the the sharks were circling. I mean, they can they couldn't do anything. And once you take off, you know, once you take the running game out of it, um, yeah, that especially that interior uh, wasn't going to hold up. And it was interesting. I mean, Javon Hargrave, I talked about it all summer. Had a great great summer in training camp, uh, and he got two sacks, and Hassan Ridgeway got the other sack wasn't the guys you would expect, but yeah, when they dominate and that's, you know, guys, quarterbacks hate the pass rush up the middle. I mean, they hate any pass rush, but when it comes right in their face, that's when they really, really get uncomfortable. You know, that's how Tom Brady lost two Super Bowls to the Giants. Uh, he only lost three, he lost the, the other two. because of the pressure up the middle, period. That's how the Giants beat them. Um, it, it, it's probably the most important aspect of stopping a, a good quarterback. And, yeah, the Eagles made Matt Ryan very, very uncomfortable in that second half. I don't know what it is about the Pirates, though. When they get in the red zone, they can't score. They change coaches. Julio Jones isn't there. They can't score in the red zone. It's amazing. Yesterday, they took a couple of ill-opportune penalties. And that's another thing to give the Eagles credit for. Eagles took their fair share of penalties, too. They overcame them. The Falcons did not. Whenever they take a penalty, they'd end up paying for it, not be able to convert on third down, have to settle for field goals or punt the ball away. Uh, one other note on the defensive line for me. 
I know he didn't get a sack, and yes, that's what defensive ends are supposed to do, get sacks. But I thought Josh Sweat played a heck of a game yesterday. He was, for large stages of the game, the Eagles' best tackler. Uh, early on when the Falcons were moving the ball, both the linebackers and the uh, secondary weren't doing a great job tackling. Josh Sweat was. I thought he played great throughout the game. He got slightly more snaps than Derek Barnett did. I think there's a differentiation between the two. I think Sweat has certainly proved he's the better of the two if they're going to be shuttling back and forth. You think Gannon will just keep it as is, pretty much a 50-50 split going forward? I, yeah, I, I mean, you want to rotate those guys. And I think um, now you don't know the snap, canes, snap counts came out this morning. So, you know, it's a blowout so late probably affected it uh, a little bit and and I'll, I'll have to go over the film to see how it shook out but if you look even Ryan Kerrigan it was it was so if you look at the defensive ends I'm just uh looking at it I think sweat sweat led with 39 Graham 36 Kerrigan 34 Barnett 33 I mean that, that that's as even as you get I think part of that though was you know, it wasn't a close game at the end. I think I think the test is going to be when you're in a one-score game, who's out there in the end. When you need to stop, who's out there? And then we'll know uh, who who JG is going to lean on. I I don't I don't know when you look at these snap counts today. I don't know how much you can take from them because of the the circumstance of the second half. John, uh, Quez Watkins, I think it was, what, three three plays, three targets, three catches, and then he kind of, I don't want to say he disappeared, but was, was that more of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside just taking his snaps at 11 personnel because he was blocking so well? Yeah, I think it was funny. We're all, J.J. started, and we're all going, what the heck is going on here? And then we see it's a bubble screen, and J.J. can block, which is, you know, he can block, and Goody, you know, it's not what you want of your second round pick a couple of years ago, but that's where they are with JJ. Uh, but it, it's just another example of Nick Sirianni taking advantage of what he has, and that's what JJ does well. So let's let's let him block, um, and we'll see. I mean, you know, Nick talked all off season, all summer about he thought he would have a competitive advantage early in the season. Turns out he did. But now, now it's on film. So we're going to see, you know, how quickly to do opposing defenses adjust. If they see J.J. on the field, are they going to know bubble screen? You know, if you see 19. So you have to – that's that's the test. Like, what is Nick Sirianni going to do when people know, okay, this is what's coming? Uh, and that's going to be the interesting part of it. Speaking of blocks on a bubble screen, Ooh, yeah. Jordan Mailata against yeah. a defensive back is just not fair. That's not fair. That was as big a crushing blow as you saw in the National Football League. All 15 games combined over the weekend. Uh, that was just uh, scary good. A well-called, designed, and then executed play by Jordan Mailata, who got paid over the weekend. Johnny Mac, you and I talked about it all year leading up to uh, game number one about Howie Roseman always likes to find one guy that he targets and signals out as the eagle of the future and get a deal done before the season gets underway to lock that guy up. He hadn't done it till yesterday, until 
whatever, Saturday, and he did it with Jordan Mailata. And I know they were ribbing him pretty good in the locker room about uh, Mr. Money because he got <laughs> his contract done. Um, he, he entered the bell here in week number one. Uh, I was surprised that it uh, went right up until right before the first game started. They picked the right guy to extend? Well, it is their, you know, organizational philosophy. We talk about it a lot. I mean, they just value the offensive line, defensive line uh, more than, say, tight end. So when we look at Mylotta uh, versus Dallas Goddard for entrance, uh, in, uh, um, as an indication, I mean, it, it makes sense that they defaulted to the offensive line first. But I, I think they wanted to get a deal done with Dallas Goddard. So I don't necessarily think it's only that. I think Dallas knows he can kind of cash in uh, if he has a, a decent season. Is I'm just guessing, but his agents are probably telling him to bet on himself. Um, and Jordan, for as you know, as big as it looks, I mean, that's going to be that's going to be a bargain. Uh, people don't understand. I mean, that is a team friendly deal. So if the Eagles could have gotten a team friendly deal done with Dallas Goddard, I think that would happen as well. And then it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Sweat versus Barnett, you know, can you sign both of them? I would think they want to sign Sweat, uh, but you have some injury concerns in there that complicates it a little bit more um, because of what happened to him in, in high school. Um, so, uh, but anytime they have good offensive linemen, good defensive linemen, I always think about when Jordan has those highlight blocks because he's got these. I always think about Jeff Stoutland because. You know, that's those are the types of blocks that have our our buddies, you know, Ross Tucker and, and Baldy putting Jordan in the Hall of Fame. And it, he has the he has the best highlight blocks. And then you go back to Jeff Stoutland, who's so gruff, and he's like, just gotta be more consistent. And he's always and that's why that's why they turns out, you know, these great offensive linemen, because you know, to him it's about play to play, it's not about right. highlights. Uh, so, John, now I got to ask you, what happens to Andre Dillard? I, I, I'm not talking about like this year, but you know, what do the Eagles do with this guy? Well, he's going to have to change positions if he wants to stay here. Uh, and I don't see that happening. So, I mean, I hey, he could trade it. You, Jeff, you and I talk about this a lot. I mean, there are so many teams who need offensive line help. They could spin them off in any minute, certainly by the trade deadline. Uh, if somebody gets desperate uh, at some point for a tackle. Ultimately, I, I don't think he can change positions, so I don't think you're going to be talking about him moving the right tackle as the heir apparent to Lane Johnson, and Lane's still playing at a high level. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's just a matter of time now, and, you know, when can the Eagles trade him? All right, uh, I want to ask you about a guy who, kind of like Andre Dillard, got limited snaps yesterday. Andre on special teams was five. Austin Scott got 12 snaps all on special teams, not one from the line of scrimmage. Uh, we thought it was going to be a three-man backfield for week one. It was a two-man backfield. Uh, Austin Scott did not get in and get one snap. What are we reading to that, J-Mac? Uh, just that Kenny Gainwell is uh, a proven to them that uh, he should be the second guy and he's going to play a lot and he's going to play when Miles doesn't. And really, I think it was the Jets joint practices um, where they really uh, tested him 
against the Jets, and they put him essentially as the third down back in the in the back in the hurry up and in the high leverage situations as a pass catcher when he got to throw the football. Uh, and I think they were trying to figure out, okay, can, is he ready as a rookie to do this immediately? And they came to the conclusion he was, and he certainly played well yesterday. So it's not going to change in the foreseeable future unless, obviously, one of them can't play. Uh, but they still like Boston. It's just that they were ultimately going that direction. Kenny Gainwell, that's why they got him here. And the question is, when could they get there? They thought it was week one, and he played well in week one. Another thing that worked out. So, John, I, I have to ask you this, too, about the injuries. Uh, Zach Ertz looked like – I think he came back in yesterday. wasn't 100% sure, and uh, Marcus Epps. Yeah, Zach did come back in, so it was hamstring. And that's – you know, people are probably going to look at that. I don't know how that affected – Dallas played a little bit more than Zach, and they were about 60-40. Uh, 11 versus 12, which makes sense right about where they typically are. Um, but I don't know how much uh, that affected things. Uh, yeah, Marcus went out early uh, with the concussion and he was he was he was the starter. Uh, he was going to play the majority of the time uh, on defense. And I think eight, eight snaps or so, he got a concussion and came on long came in and held down the fort and it was just fine. I mean, they give up, you know, the Falcons weren't able to take advantage of it. So I, you know, you never want somebody to go down, but I, I think anytime you have a performance like that as a defense as a whole gives everybody confidence. John, did uh, anyone after the game say Rodney McLeod's status? No, he wasn't up for the game, and we debated all week as to whether he was going to play or not. We surely thought he's going to make the first two games because if he's only coming back for one and you could have put him on short-term IR if he missed three. Um, so it uh, signs kind of point to next week. Anyone give further confirmation on that? They kind of need him now with the Epsom injury. Yeah, no, not uh, yeah, that's not typically an after the game question because they ruled him out Friday. So we'll, we'll get into Rodney's status on Wednesday. I mean, he's going to continue to practice. The question is, um, hey, you're right. I mean, by what they did, the indication of what they did, they think he's going to be back um, before the first six games, not necessarily before the first three because – while you can, uh, you know, put somebody on injured reserve after you carry them on the 53, remember, it would have to be a new injury. It can't be the same injury that you have to activate them off pup. So they couldn't have used the ACL excuse for the three-game short-term injured reserve. So really it means John, – Johnny, you know we can all get around that, right? Well, yeah, they could do But it, they, they are a little bit tougher – on those types of shenanigans now. So I, I do think it's legitimate. So I think that the real, uh, my only point is the real uh, the bar is the fifth game more than the, the second game. John. Or it actually would be the fourth game. I'm getting in the weeds now. <laughs> uh, John, yesterday I tweeted, this, this is the big play slay the Eagles paid for. I thought he was good last year, but I think he was Darius' big play slay. Was yesterday his best game as an Eagle? Yeah, I don't 
I think Gary's played pretty well last year. Like, I'm a little bit easier on cornerbacks than most people. I'm usually harsher on people. It's so hard to play corner in this league. I don't think there are lockdown corners. So once you get that reputation, Stephon Gilmore's probably an example of this. He wins Defensive Player of the Year. Jalen Ramsey as well. He's the best corner in football. And then they just take nosedives and people say, what's going on with these guys? It's just impossible to play corner in the NFL. If you have... If you're playing a good corner uh, quarterback and, you know, things are clicking for that particular team uh, on, on a game day, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Um, and and I, I thought he played well. And he, he himself said he had one and a half bad games. Um, Green Bay and I forget the, the really bad one. You probably remember, Jeff, but, oh, the DK Metcalf game. Yeah, yeah, well, that was more DK than him. Yeah, uh, so that's he said he didn't play well against DK. He admitted that, and and then a half against Green Bay, he thought he didn't play well. I thought he was the best corner the Eagles have had in years last year. So I think people were too harsh on him. He's just a good player, but he's going to get beat this year. So people don't think he's going to get beat. It's it's the NFL, and when. Mahomes is here, Brady is here. He's going to get beat. I mean, get used to it. It happens. It happens to every corner in this league. All right. My turn to nitpick. Um, I'm not sure Darius Slate could tackle me. I know he could cover me, and he did a nice yeah, job in coverage him. yesterday. But if there's anybody in the NFL that reminds me of Deion Sanders, great at coverage, can't tackle uh, air, it would be Darius Slate because he missed a couple badly yesterday early on um yeah so. that's kind of baked in with terry it's interesting because he thinks he's a great tackler he doesn't know what people are talking about when they ask him about tackling i guess it's part of the confidence yeah you got to be confident to play corner in the nfl so he thinks he's a great tackler but yeah he's not he's never yeah. been a great tackler no, even, no. <laughs> even he thinks he thinks yeah, he can think whatever he wants and my other nitpick john before we let you run uh, love the fact that Nick Sirianni picked up where Doug Peterson left off, aggressively going for it on fourth down. That's did it twice yesterday. They yeah, they didn't. Gain um, well between the tackles on fourth and two? Really? I love his aggressiveness, but his first call didn't. not only didn't it excite me, it left me scratching my head. I guess he thought no one expected it, but the Falcons yeah, were up to the challenge. Uh, he's got to get Doug's old playbook back out for fourth down conversions. Yeah, that's. I think he was trying to surprise him on the, on the game. Well, that's, you know, it, it's a hit. Myth. I, actually, my nitpick on the fourth down was he got the plays in too late. So maybe that was the one rookie hiccup. Seemed like they were rushing. They were getting into place too late early, uh, and they were rushing to the line of scrimmage, and maybe that kind of wonkied up what they were trying to execute. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think it's positive that he went for it. Uh, but, yeah, when you don't get it, it doesn't look positive. But you talk to all the analytics people, and that's what you should do, and blah, blah, blah. So. It's it's nice that he uh, um, he did it, and it didn't really hurt the Eagles. So, uh, yeah, we'll be nitpicking that in the future. If it doesn't work and it hurts. Didn't hurt him at all yesterday. Jalen Hurts was the only Hurts that mattered yesterday for the Philadelphia Eagles. J-Mac, safe trip home. Uh, we'll get you back here tomorrow, brother. All right, thanks, guys.
John McMullen, usual co-host of Birds 365, went down to cover the game in Atlanta, flying back today. So he hops on as a guest to start the show. And we got Jeff Curran instead. Jeff and I will come back, continue to break down the Eagles' impressive opening game victory over the Falcons here next on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. The live post-game show is powered by IBEW Local 98. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. This is your Birds 365 winning recap on Monday morning after an Eagles victory gets the season rolling. They go down to Atlanta and like Sherman go through the Falcons, an easy victory and a debut win for Nick Sirianni. Jeff Kerr and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Uh, we, we do have to continue to talk about Nick Sirianni because I'll be truthful, Jeff. As big a Sirianni fan as I've been. And from the day we was hired, a lot of people made a big deal about his first media conference. As a matter of fact, Brandon Graham mentioned that yesterday, that Nick has off the record said a couple of times, 
Yeah, he was really upset with the way people ripped him up and down for his first media press conference. But he turned it around and made it a challenge for himself. All right, like I tell my players, got to be better. Keep it in the rearview mirror. Got to have a short-term memory. I got to go out and do better. Which, oh, by the way, yes, he's been very entertaining and somewhat insightful. He's pretty good at keeping things under his hat and playing his cards close to the vest, but certainly has picked it up after that first press conference that he gave. The one thing I didn't know about Nick Sirianni, I liked the guy, and I liked his enthusiasm, and I liked his attitude. I had no idea if he was going to be a good play caller. And again, it's one game. But damn, did he push all the right buttons yesterday uh, using his rookie quarterback to his strengths or his second-year quarterback, his rookie wide receiver, and Devontae Smith, Kenny Gamewell, first time ever, scores a touchdown. He just did everything right offensively as a play caller yesterday. I had no idea that was going to be the case. I wasn't betting on him being god-awful or great, but he came down on the great side, and I was very impressed. Yeah, Jerry, the old adage I have is, and especially in this town, if you botch the opening press conference, a.k.a. you can't speak or you speak too much, then you're probably a really good coach. Uh, you know, Chip Kelly crushed the press conference and was a terrible coach. So that's how I always determine coaches in this. Andy Reid was – I remember his introductory press conference was terrible. But I digress. Yeah, I couldn't believe everything Nick Sirianni was doing. And I'll tell you what, I thought the most impressive thing he did was – as soon as he got the 15 to 6, he ran the ball and he just kept running the ball. He kept trying to kill time off, giving his defense a rest. It, it didn't matter. You know, really, I think the only time he was forced to throw it was on third and nine, and Jalen Hurts completed the pass anyway and moved the chains. But overall, he was getting like, you know, very good third and manageable situations. He was using Jalen Hurts' legs, Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell. I love the way he used Sanders yesterday. Love the idea of the bubble screens, the hurry up offense, up tempo. And I thought him and Arthur Smith were going to go into a shootout after the first three possessions of you know, the two Falcons possessions and the Eagles possession because the way they were going up tempo. And then Arthur Smith just kind of hiccuped or just stopped. He's like, oh, I don't have Ryan Tannehill. I don't have Derrick Henry anymore. What do I do? Nick Sirianni just used what he had and made the best out of it. I, I think that game really did change when that two-minute drill that we mentioned to McMullen earlier and – you know, just the throws Hurts was making, and most of that was Hurts up with his legs. And then he made the throw to Goddard. And I think Nick, Nick Sirianni went in the halftime and said, you know what, we're up 15-6. to six. I got one of the best offensive lines in football. I'm just going to pound it down their throats. And he did. Did, and uh, I thought Miles Sanders had an outstanding game. There was one run in the first half where I thought there was a hole there, and he tried to bounce it outside, and he got caught for a loss, which I thought was a bad decision. But other than that, Kind of like Sirianni and Hurts, he made all the right moves. Every time uh, to make a decision, to make a cut, one way or the other, he made the right decision except for the one early. And then he's got that breakaway speed, the big play, the chunk play that he made showed that he has that big play capability. Uh, game well played well, and I was surprised that they didn't use Boston Scott at all. But this team's success is going to depend a lot on how well Miles Sanders played, and he was just one of uh, several Eagle offensive players that had a very big first day for me. So I was laughing after the game. I was thinking, was Boston Scott hurt? Like, because I didn't even know he was even in the game. I didn't even see him on special teams because I'm writing stuff up for the game for CBS. And then I'm like, wait a minute, did Bo like what happened to him? And you know, and then I realized, well, Miles Sanders was playing incredible, you know, catching passes and doing the things that everybody was getting on him and can't be can't do. 
you know, yeah, I thought he got a little uh, dance happy at one point. It led to a six-yard loss. But like you said, Jody, after that, he was pretty much brilliant. And Kenny Gainwell, uh, you know, I don't blame Kenny Gainwell for getting stopped on fourth and two. I blame Nick Sirianni for that. He was trying to outsmart everybody and be like, okay, you know, Kenny Gainwell, you know, let, let's put him in. I guess they were trying to trick him or something. I don't know. I think when it's fourth and two, you should have your best back on the field. And Miles Sanders is clearly that. But you know, Nick Sirianni learned because the next work down the ad, he had Sanders in, and he just ran up the middle and got the first down. And, you know, that that's one thing I really liked about Sirianni, the adjustments yesterday. But, yeah, I, I'll tell you what, Miles Sanders on that um, screen pass, that Jason Kelsey block, whew, you know, that really set up a, a drive there. And I just thought Sanders looked as crisp as he ever did. I, I got to see how many touches he officially ended up with, but – I really thought the Eagles did a good job at using him in the second half. And I'll tell you what, if Sanders and Gainwell could give them that type of production every week, they're going to win the division. Well, they are in sole possession of first place in the division right now because we know the Cowboys went down, although they did look very good on offense on Thursday night against Tampa. Uh, The Washington football team, not only did it lose yesterday, it may have lost its quarterback for a lengthy period of time uh, Fitzmagic with a hip, hip issue, which I know you already wrote a story for CBS on, correct? Yeah, I did. Um, I was able to kind of tap into Ron Rivera's uh, press conference yesterday, and uh, yeah, it didn't sound good. And from what Ian Rappaport reported this morning, it looks like it's at least going to be multiple weeks, maybe even his season. And that was the big question with the Washington football team this year. Can Ryan Fitzpatrick stay healthy for 17 games? You know, because he, he was going to be their QB1, and they found out in the second quarter, no. So they were smart to sign Taylor Heineke. He is going to start for them. Uh, Logan Thomas is big on Taylor Heineke. And really, their offense moved the ball pretty well against, uh, in my opinion, uh, an underrated Chargers defense. I mean, they only scored 16 points, but they gave them a pretty good game. I know they were at home. It was on the East Coast. But if I'm Washington, I'm a little upset Fitzpatrick's hurt, but – they're going to need a quarterback long-term anyway. And Heineke provides them mobility with his legs. He's not the answer, obviously. He's not. But this is a team that their defense played really well against Justin Herbert and a really good Chargers offense yesterday. They're, they're still going to be alive in the NC East race, but I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the guy to get them a top 15 offense. I don't see that anymore. Yeah, not happening. So you know what's going to happen. The rumors are going to start that the, the Washington football team is going to have interest in Cam Newton because Ron Rivera, of course, was Cam's quarterback in Carolina for all those years. Uh, I'll say the same thing I said about Cam Newton from the day he was released by the Patriots. If you if he's better than the guy you have and you want to bring him in as the starter, okay, go ahead, do it. If you're bringing him in as a backup or someone you're going to decide on and you're going to have to see if your guy's not good enough, it's a mistake because you're only going to cause division within the ranks. Either bring Cam in and hand him the job, or you don't bring Cam in at all. I don't think Rivera's going there. I think they're going to stick with Heineke and Allen. I don't think they're going to open up that door to you. I don't think they're going to either. And I kind of look at this like when Randall Cunningham signed with the Vikings in 1997. Yeah, he was retired for a year. Yeah, he looked bad when his career with the Eagles ended. But he was still Randall Cunningham. He still had the arm. He still had the flashes, even at 35. And the second Brad Johnson got injured, it was the Randall show. And Randall basically ran the show for 
a year and a half until he ended up getting hurt. And then I don't know why the Vikings, Denny Green decided to go with Jeff George for as long as he did. But it, it always felt like that, you know, and I think that's why Donovan McNabb ultimately didn't last uh, at, when he lost his job as a starting quarterback in Minnesota for good. Because it was like, okay, do we really want to sign this guy, even though he's 33, 34, probably still should be playing football? Well, the minute your young quarterback goes back, you're going to say, oh, then Donovan, well, then Donovan, or, you know, whoever it is, you know, that's unfortunately that's the situation with Cam Newton. And I agree with you, Jody. If you want to bring him in, if you want to start him, you think he's better than Taylor Heineke, go right ahead. But they signed Taylor Heineke to a two year, I think it was $7 million deal. They prepared for this. They prepared for Ryan Fitzpatrick to miss football games this season. And it looks like he may miss the whole year. And, you know, maybe you, Open the Pandora's box of Cam Newton if Taylor Heineke struggles. But you got a game Thursday. Taylor Heineke's going to be the quarterback. He's going to play in week three, too. Maybe a team like the Eagles sees Cam Newton in December, but they're not going to see him now. I don't even think he's an option now. So if I'm Cam Newton, I'm, I'm still sitting on the couch. I'll wait and see what Heineke does. But Ron Rivera is a big believer in Taylor Heineke. And, oh, by the way, the Washington football team is not the only other team in the division that has a quarterback issue. Uh, watch plenty of the Giants game after the Eagle game was over and done with. I take a lot of flack when I do shows in New York, when I say Daniel Jones is not the future quarterback of the New York Giants. He's not a, a franchise guy who's going to lead you anywhere. Uh, yesterday, the same problem that Jones has had since he took over as a starting quarterback of the Giants, reared his ugly head. He coughed the football up in a big spot on a fumble. He's had more fumbles for any quarterback over the last two years in the National Football League. Uh, the Giants were one of those teams. There's going to be several teams this year who are going to look back and say, should we have taken a quarterback in the draft this past year? They chose not to. They traded down. They allowed the Chicago Bears to take Justin Fields. Uh, now, the Giants might have bad enough record that they can go into the draft this upcoming year and draft their next quarterback. They're going to need to because Daniel Jones just isn't the guy. So you got two teams in the division with the Eagles right now that have major questions at quarterback, Washington football team, and the Giants. I was telling anybody who was willing to listen to me about the New York Giants, everybody was hyping them up, hyping up their defense, the culture Joe Judge was brewing. That's all well and good. You all have a quarterback and you don't have an offensive line. They're going to finish last in the NFC East, Jody. And I think yesterday, I know it's a week one overreaction, but they look bad. And I know Denver has a really good defense or an underrated football team in general. They just don't get the love because they're in a division with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Las Vegas Raiders. But Teddy Bridgewater, I don't even think he's that great of a quarterback, but he did his job yesterday. He was a really good game manager against the defense that really wore down in that second half. But the Giants' offensive line was terrible. As you said, Daniel Jones, when that game was close, Fumbled in a big spot. No one, only Tony Banks has more fumbles in that many career games to start a career than Daniel Jones. So that tells me all I need to know about him. Uh, I don't think he's the long term answer early uh, either. Uh, I just, I don't know. Giants fans are blaming Jason Garrett. They're saying Jason Garrett should be fired. And uh, yeah, they're right to an extent, but it's not Jason Garrett. It's your head coach. It is your offensive line. It is your quarterback. You, you, you know, Saquon Barkley was on the field yesterday. Uh, I, I didn't even notice he was there. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, why even play him? Why not just save him for Thursday night football if you wanted to go that route? It's, they are just an absolute mess of an organization. And people cannot read into it. They can't understand. The New York Jets, in my opinion, are in a better situation than the New York Giants right now. No, and the Jets yesterday got beat, too. So, bad day all around for New York. Um, 
they, they, they wanted to get Saquon out there. He came out of the game healthy, so that doesn't bother me that he played. Wasn't all that effective, but he did play. No, they, they lost the game. I said this before the game, and I, that was actually one of my picks that I, I got right over the weekend. By the way, 5-0 and over the weekend, pro picks, NFL picks, and I got uh, under on the Monday night pending for a 6-0 and sweep of my picks. I thought that that was going to be a low-scoring game, the uh, Broncos and the Giants. The 41-and-a-half under was the smallest under in the NFL this week, and it did come in under, as I correctly predicted. I thought they have two of the best secondaries in all of football. The Broncos absolutely do, and they added to it with their first-round draft pick, kind of much to the Eagles' chagrin. But that's okay because Devontae Smith is now an Eagle, and everyone thought the Eagles were taking a corner, and Denver beat them to it. But I still do like the Giants' secondary. I think they got two really good corners and two outstanding safeties. Teddy Bridgewater threw for 275 yards. Teddy Bridgewater. Their defense let them down yesterday as much as their offense. That was a total loss. If you try and pin it on one side of the ball or the other or the one individual, and I'd say Daniel Jones at the top of that list, but no, that was that was a team loss. The way the Eagles win yesterday was a team win. The Giants' loss was a team loss. Oh, yeah, and Denver controlled the time of possession, too. That's what happened to the Giants' defense. They wore down, and you saw that Melvin Gordon touchdown run. It was Melvin Gordon doesn't do that. Uh, he does not go for 75 yards on the touchdown. But him and uh, the rookies, Javante Williams, they just gas it up. I'll tell you what, uh, I know he, you know, he's a friend of mine, but Dalton Riser had a tremendous game against that Giants front. I, I was amazed. The Giants couldn't get a pass rush going. Uh, Leonard Williams looked mortal for the first time since he got traded to the Giants. It's I, I don't know. It's I don't even know if like this Denver team is going to be better than we think. I mean, you know, there was a lot of talk this all season. They got Aaron Rodgers. They would be a Super Bowl team. And I, I don't know how true that is, but Denver dominated in the trenches. They wore that team down. I thought that was Vic Fangio's best game as a head coach to date. And Denver finally won a September game under Vic Fangio. They were 0-7. They just put themselves behind the eight ball every single year. And they went to New York and they kicked the crap out of them. So it is sole possession of first place for the Eagles because the Cowboys lost, the Giants lost, the Washington football team lost. The only thing stranger than that, Eagles in sole possession of first place, is the Houston Texans in sole possession of first place in the AFC South. Nobody saw that one coming, uh, but they beat Jacksonville. Uh, Carson Wentz, how'd that work out? His debut in Indianapolis. Uh, I'll tell you what. So I was watching two games yesterday. I was watching the the Colts game because, and it wasn't for Carson Wentz, and honestly, because I love Russell Wilson. So that was the reason I was watching the game. But Carson Wentz did a Carson Wentz thing yesterday, Jody. Bubbled the football on the quarterback center exchange on fourth and one when the game was close, and that was the end of it. And, you know, Carson, his first pass to the Colts was incomplete, completed 10 straight passes. He looked really good. I, I like how Frank Reich was using him, but then the Colts offensive line just got manhandled, and Wentz took. A lot of shots in that second half yesterday. He got beat up, and, you know, he was like – I think he had a stretcher. He was like 5'11 for like 49 yards, and I can't even blame that on him. But Carson Wentz did the Carson Wentz thing yesterday. 59 career fumbles and or, or what is it, 69 fumbles in 59 games or something like that. I, I forget the exact number, but it's – Carson Wentz – no, 59 fumbles in 69 games. That's what it is. But Carson Wentz – 
fumbled the football on the crucial fourth and one and did not get a quarterback sneak on the one play he does. He knows how to do. The Colts are banged up on the offensive line. Their defense got absolutely torched by Russell Wilson, by Tyler Lockett, by DK Metcalf, Chris Carson. Now, outside of Chris Carson fumble, the Seahawks looked every bit. That I, you know, we want to talk about division, Jody. The NFC West, every team 1-0. They are the first division to do that since the AFC North in 2015. But uh, the Colts, I think they're going to get healthy. But that, those first five games are absolutely brutal. But Eagles fans, be happy. Because Carson Wentz played every single offensive snap. He played all, uh, that's 100% of the snaps in game number one. So it worked out well for the Eagles as far as that future first-round draft pick goes. All right, he's Jeff Kerr. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your Birds 365 guys. Uh, We'll come back and a little bit more Eagle perspective. Our guest for hour number two is going to be our buddy Bob Groach from the Delco Times, who we had on a couple times before the year started, and he did. Not only did he say it, he doubled down on it. That You know, the Eagles could be 0-8 out of the gate. That their start of the season schedule is pretty damn tricky. I told him when I asked him, come on last week. I said, Bob, you won't have to go there because the Eagles are going to be 1-0. He said, if they are, I'll give them credit. If not, yeah, I might stick with my 0-8. Uh, we'll get Bob up hour number two. Come back, give you that much more on the Birds' impressive win to open the season here on Birds 365. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. 
Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Jeff Kerr and Jody McDonald with your Verge 365 guys today. Johnny Mac was down in Atlanta covering the game, so he's flying back today. So we got Jeff Kerr sitting in for him. If you missed him, he was on at the top of the show and did a good job giving us his insights to the Birds' dynamite win in Atlanta to get the season underway. You can always go back and watch it after the fact here on the Birds 365 Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, JK and Bob Groats is going to join us coming up in oh, less than – uh, 10 minutes, as a matter of fact. Bob's got to hop on early. He's got a doctor's appointment. Maybe he needs to take his foot out of his mouth uh, by the doctor after he suggested the Eagles could go 0-8. Oh, but I, I, we kid because we care, Bob. Um, Jeff, uh, with the way that the Eagles called plays yesterday, Nick Sirianni rightfully and should get all the credit, but the guy who executed it was Jalen Hurts. Um, not going to go too far overboard that the Eagles now have their quarterback for the next decade. But if we said it once, we said it a thousand times this offseason about this being a prove-it year for Jalen Hurts. Pretty good first step for a guy who's trying to win a job for the uh, next 10 years, was it not? I'm not betting against Jalen Hurts on anything. Um, I've been a fan of Jalen Hurts for a long time, and yesterday was pretty much what I expected. I wanted the the completion percentage to go up. Yeah, Jalen Hurts' career completion percentage went from 52% to 57% uh, just because of how well he played yesterday. You know, 77% completion percentage, uh, that's insane for any quarterback in this league. And, you know, he was crisp, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 60 rushing yards again. He always seems to get 60 rushing yards. The guy just is very instinctive when it comes to football. And I got to give the guy a ton of credit. It, It just seems like when the lights come on, Jalen Hurts knows how to play and this city is going to be in love with Jalen Hurts for a very long time if he keeps doing stuff like he does because this offense moves the ball. He even did last year. As dormant as this team was on the offensive side of the ball and Doug Pearson's play call, Jalen Hurts injected life into this football team, and he's still continuing to do it. And the funny thing about it was that uh, at least during the preseason, the report that John would come on every single day was that Jalen Hurts looked really good throwing the ball deep that that was one of his strong suits was that he could air it out. When he put air under the ball, he had great accuracy going downfield, that it was the short and intermediate stuff that was questionable. 
Well, yesterday he didn't really throw the ball deep. The one ball that he threw over 25, 30 yards, he kind of blatantly underthrew Jack Ertz, and Ertz made a nice play to come back, get the ball, kind of catch it. He didn't actually catch it, but the Eagles rushed up to the line of scrimmage, got the, got the next play off, so they didn't have a chance to review it. No, his strength yesterday was the quick hitters, the short passes, the ones where the accuracy need to be point on. He basically flipped the script on what he did during the preseason, uh, the plays that were most questionable for him off last season and this preseason actually turned out to be what he did best yesterday. I, you got to give credit to Shane Steichen there. Um, you know, and Shane Steichen did this with Justin Herbert last year to get him into a motion before he unleashed him uh, later in the year. But that's what Justin Herbert was early in his rookie season. It was just quick passes to Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, you would take a deep shot to Mike Williams on occasion. But uh, overall, it was, you know, um, trying to think what the other one was. Um, he, he would throw to a lot. Uh, Keenan Allen, there was a. Oh, uh, Jalen Guyton caught a lot of deep passes last year, but uh, they ran a lot of quick screens, a lot, a lot of just you know short routes uh, to get this quarterback going. Uh, Austin Eckler was another one he he gave it to a, a lot early on, and it, it kind of looked like that a little bit, a little mix of what the Colts did, a little mix of what the Chargers did last year. And I got to give Shane Steichen a lot of credit. I got to give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit for that. You know, they put their quarterback in the best possible position to win against a uh, a linebacking core that. They weren't that great at tackling in the last year. The Vikings just weren't that. And the Eagles exposed that early, and that's why you saw a lot of yards after the catch with Wes Watkins, uh, Devonta Smith, when he was able to get his hands on the football. Uh, same with Dallas Goddard, and a little bit with Zach Hurts. But yeah, yeah, this is what I will say to Jalen Hurts underthrowing Zach Hurts. I know it's this isn't a – I guess I could compare, but Patrick Mahomes definitely underthrew Tyree Hill on his incredible play yesterday. Of course, that one was about 30 – five more yards downfield, but yeah, I got to give Zach Ertz credit for running back and catching the football, but if that, that throw might have been a touchdown if it was on the bottom. Yeah, if he uh, had led him, there's a chance that he gets behind absolutely everybody. Uh, again, nitpicking for the small thing to Jalen Ertz might not have accomplished yesterday, but he did get everything else done. Uh, one more quickie, and then Bob Grote scheduled to join us. How much does Nick Sirianni get on his offensive line in practice when they return to the field tomorrow? Overall, great job. Opened up lanes. Jalen Hurts almost untouched all day long. Five offensive line penalties. The one drive where they scored a touchdown had to overcome three offensive line penalties. Two on Sam Malo, one on Elaine Johnson. They almost shot themselves in the foot yesterday. They didn't. Uh, how how tough is Sirianni? We know Statlin's going to be tough because he's always tough, uh, even when things go well. He's a nitpicker, and he's a guy who's always wanting to learn and teach. Um, how about Sirianni? How does he deal with his offensive line? I'll give a shout-out to my high school football coach, Dave Badolas, here. I don't think it's going to be the Dave Badolas treatment where uh, when we got 14 penalties on the offensive line, that was 14 big hills and 70 push-ups because five yards for – each penalty. That's just how he did. I don't think it's going to be like that, but it's definitely going to be something he's going to point out this week. Uh, you know, and that's why I gave the Eagles an A minus because of the 14 penalties. Everything else, I said they were perfect uh, offensively, defensively, but 14 penalties is just unacceptable. You're not going to beat the San Francisco 49ers. You're not going to beat the Dallas Cowboys with that many penalties, or it's going to be that hard to do it because you know they're better football teams, but. This is something the Eagles got a nip in the butt. They got to cut it in, at least in half by next week. It, it's just 
there were just some inexcusable penalties there, and maybe it was the first game of the year. Maybe it was the lack of preseason reps. Although the offensive line did play a little bit more than everybody else did this preseason. But, yeah, uh, overall, I just think it's something they have to clean up. I think Nick Sirianni will address it um, in his press conference today, and I think he'll address it uh, this week. I, I think he'll get into their, their heads. And, again, he's a teacher, so I think he's going to correct that. And it's uh, so far, if his teaching grades are in, pretty darn good. His students did quite well down in Atlanta with their season opening victory. All right, uh, Bob Groats from the Delco Times, scheduled to join us next, right here on Birds 365. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life. Count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Birds 
365 here on the day after the Eagles open up the season with a rather impressive win against the Atlanta Falcons down in Hotlanta. Good job by the birds all around. Jeff Curran for Johnny Mac, and we are joined by our buddy Bob Groats, who seems to be in the car. No truth to the rumor that you're getting out of Dodge after that impressive Eagles win, is there, Mr. Groats? No. What did they win by? I I didn't get that final score. Oh, whoa. Uh, pretty, pretty damn impressive, as a matter of fact. Come on, man. Come on, come on, guys. That was, that's one of the worst teams in the history of the NFL that they beat. They Who's played well, but, but give me a break. I mean, they got more holes than the NFL's vaccine policy. Come oh, on. Oh, shut on goal. Falcons. Falcons or the Jaguars? Who would win a football game right now? Oh, I would say the Jaguars because the Ooh. Falcons just flat out quit yesterday. And and you you can uh, you can lay some of that on the Eagles. I mean, for sure, they played well enough, so well that that other team quit. That's a bad start for Arthur Smith. You have to feel for him. That's not the way you want to start any season where you guys give up. They they knew they weren't going to win that game in the third quarter. Yeah, Bob. Uh, one thing I I want to point out. I I, I gotta at least defend you on this. I know you had them going zero and eight, but I had the Texans going one and sixteen too. So uh, hold it, hold it, alive. hold it, Jeff. Hold it. I said if they lose the first game, they could go zero and eight. All right. So now what do you got them? Here's your chance. Well, I I don't think it's hard to judge each each week, but I, I don't see them beating the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know about how you guys feel about that, but that that is a good team. It's not a great team, but it's a good team, and uh, they got a lot of speed. Uh, the Falcons, just it, it's night and day. And uh, but but Jalen hurts a ton of confidence, and he made all the right throws. And I'll tell you something, I Jody and Jeff. That what I really liked about that game was uh, Sirianni's coaching. He and uh, Jalen hurts are they're definitely on exactly on the same page. They did a bunch of basic stuff, but they did it very well. Bubble screens, crossing routes. I was really impressed. The, the, the simplicity, the beauty of that offense was in its simplicity and execution. And you, you can't do it any better than that. Bob, pointing out the fact that the opponent they beat yesterday might not be very good this year is no, they ac- can't tackle, is, Jody. is accurate and on, and on point. Um, yeah. But again, I uh, don't want to shortchange the Eagles because – they did execute exactly what they wanted to do. There weren't that many plays where I go, oh, my God, how open is that? That's a defensive breakdown. No, it was the fact that the Eagles executed what they wanted to do the way they wanted to do it. So while I'll agree overall, I'm not going to uh, opt for Super Bowl tickets because they beat the Falcons. You do have to like the way the Eagles put their game plan in place and then pulled it off. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you with there, right there on that. Um, that that throw that uh, Hertz made to Devontae Smith for the first touchdown, Hertz was still he, he was still doing that pick and it was a legal pick. He was still doing the pick when the ball was in the air. I mean that that stuff you see from Gronk and Tom Brady, that that timing was just in, incredible. I that really just floored me right there. And some of the other throws he made were good too. Uh, really difficult throws, no. But Devontae Smith looked like he could get open all day. And, and, oh, by the way, Kyle Pitts with the Falcons, that, that guy struggled to get open. I mean, the Eagles played some good defense, but, I you know, Devontae Smith or, or Kyle Pitts, it, it's one game, but you know who 
who I'm leaning towards as the better player and going to have the better career. I'll tell you what, Bob. Uh, one thing I noticed yesterday, just covering the, all the games in the league, Joe Burrow's 50-yard touchdown to Jamar Chase yesterday was the exact same play they used against Clemson in the national championship game, and they blew them out of the water. And, you know, I think a Tua Tagovailoa, the Jalen Waddle, it was the same route they ran in 2019 in Alabama. And I think we saw that with Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith. This seems like, you know, why Devonta Smith was a really good pick. These two are just clicking right away. Yeah. And, and you know, that uh, when you, you just mentioned Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, his last two games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium have been brutal. I mean, the last two before this one. They, he lost to LSU with Oklahoma. I think it was 63 to 28. It was in the 20s, and Burrow threw seven touchdown passes. And the game before that, Devontae Smith caught the winning pass in the championship game for Alabama, but the quarterback was Tua. Tua, right, off the bench. Hurts got benched at halftime. So – he kind of exercised some demons there, too. I mean, that place, he had a history with that place, and it wasn't a good one. No one brought that up, either. <laughs> didn't seem – well, that's why we have Bob Groats on. He knows things like this on Birds 365. All right, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball, Bob, because I'll be honest. After the first two possessions, I was seriously concerned about the Eagle defense because the Falcons shredded them, went right down the field, two consecutive times, kind of a shot themselves in the foot with some untimely penalties and had to settle for field goals. But the Eagles weren't tackling. They weren't getting any pressure on Ryan. I thought it might end up being a long day, long afternoon for the Eagle defense. Damn, did that turn on a dime afterwards. I saw the, yeah. uh, the great stat, I think Ruben Frank had it. First three possessions for the Falcons, like 170 yards on their first three possessions. Their next seven possessions – under 80 yards, how do you make that good a defensive either change or adjustment? I don't know what Gannon did, but, man, did that defense come to life. Well, remember, that was a 7-6 game with two sec with three seconds left in the half. And then uh, Goddard caught that pass. And I don't know about you, but that was close to being a, a drop. They, they would have gotten some points out of that. It could have been 9-7 instead of 15 or 9-6 instead of 15-6. But uh, – the Eagles, they gave up 100, I think it was 100 yards rushing at, at just the beginning of the second quarter, and uh, and that's not good. But but let's be honest about Matt Ryan, too. When it, when it comes to the Eagles and their red zone defense against him through the years, I mean, the veterans were, are still on that team that stopped him in the divisional round of the playoffs in 2017. And I think they had, what, three, three field goals against the Eagles in that game? Matt Ryan, when he gets in that red zone, the Eagles know he's not going to score. He, he's not mobile, and for whatever reason, he, they, you put a little bit of pressure on him down there or you put a lot of pressure, he's just not going to find the guy. So they they knew that he after those first two trips where Atlanta was moving the ball, they knew that Matt Ryan wasn't going to beat him in the red zone. That That's right where you want uh, Matt Ryan if you're the Eagles defense. You want him in the red zone because, uh, because he, he just struggles against them down there. They have a history with him. So after that, you know, after that uh, touchdown, that touchdown with two seconds left, just really the two-minute drill, that was just a backbreaker. So uh, and, and that third quarter, and they're getting the ball back in the third quarter. If you're Atlanta, you're, you're thinking, wow, you know, we, we didn't play a bad first half. Uh, we, we struggled in the red zone, maybe. We didn't play bad, but they, the Eagles get a call, and now they get the ball in the, in the third quarter to start the second half. You know, like th this is uh, – 
this is too much. Bob, I talked to Tony Gonzalez last week, and we were discussing Kyle Pitts at length, and he said this was the week to play Kyle Pitts because he was young, he's you know tight end, first game in the league, and they're relying on him to do too much, and he thought he'd struggle early in the season. And turned out uh, Tony was right there. It just seemed like Kyle Pitts looked lost a, a lot of times in this football game. Yeah, he, he could. He really struggled to get open. Um, I didn't see that. I, I, he must be a long strider. I didn't see that. Um, you know that deep speed and um, and the Eagles got physical with him. I, I even noticed Devontae Maddox. Uh, you know, he, he just he put his helmet on him a few times. They they hit him. They let they let him know they were there. And uh, I mean, he can't. I'd be surprised if if he had another game like that right away. But uh, but Devontae Smith. The stuff he did was effortless. I mean, it just uh, so. Uh, but you know what? We're going to see a different defense this week. It's going to have a little bit of a pass rush, and uh, and it's also it also has guys uh, in the secondary. There've been some injuries in the 49er secondary, but they got some guys that can cover too. This will be a, 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 a more interesting test. Bob, if I told you before the game started that uh, Fletcher Cox was not going to show up on the score sheet, that he would not have a tackle in the game, yet the Eagles' defensive tackles were going to grade out pretty damn well. Yeah, I'd be thought that I was drinking too much before the game? Yeah, I, I certainly would. I, I was a little – I was surprised by that. Fletcher got a bunch of double teams, and uh, and I think – this is just me, me talking. If Jonathan Gannon – wants to keep him interested in this season, he better run some stuff where, where Fletcher is one-on-one -on -one with somebody, however you have to do it. I think Seth Joyner was talking about that. You put somebody over the center to, so the center can't, uh, can't double-team, and uh, you're going to have to do something. I mean, he, he took a lot of doubles, but, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Did he, even, even when they did their, uh, their kick line routine after the sacks at the end, Fletcher could barely get his uh, leg up in the air. I think he was winded. <laughs> I, I really think he was winded from from uh, taking all. He played a lot of snaps too. Bob, you mentioned the 49ers uh, secondary. Jason Verrett's out for the season now, torn ACL. That that guy just can't get a break. Mango Mosley has the knee injury. We're not sure if he's going to play this week. I know it's only Monday. They might bring Richard Sherbert back. Josh Norman. Uh, he was terrible last year. He may start for them this week. He yeah, he's expect. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you expect the Eagles to just kind of sling the football this week? Yeah, but uh, but they got a pass rush, uh, the 49ers. and uh, and you know I I'm not even familiar with the with uh, the way that uh, the successor to Robert Saleh is gonna is how he how he's gonna defend the Eagles. But uh, they they got a they, there's a couple things going there. They they have a they didn't like uh, the way they lost last year, and they were hitting with injuries everywhere. And, um, and and you you really have to factor in the offense too. Um, the the Falcons played an interesting game that that ball control. You kind of you keep the uh, the other team off the field. I think you're going to see a, a similar thing with uh, with uh, the 49ers. Not not that they feel like they have to keep the Eagles' offense off the field, but uh, but that's kind of the way that they're they're equipped. That's how they're wired. So uh, there's going to be. Uh, there's going to be fewer opportunities for for Jalen Hurts to uh, to get into a rhythm, so he, he better take advantage of them right away. And both Garoppolo and Trey Lance played yesterday. They went with the 
dueling quarterback, gave Trey Lance a little bit of a taste, and he actually threw the first touchdown pass of the year. So that's going to be a challenge uh, for the yeah, Eagles as well. Um, I know I know you're not going to be able to just dissect the uh, 49er box score because I actually watched the end of that game. It got it got a little interesting after the 49ers were up by three touchdowns. They did let the Lions back into the game, one of them on a onside kick, which you just don't get many of those that are successful in the NFL. They did have one yesterday. But that 49er defense, either they took their foot off the throat of the Lions or it might not be as good as it was last year. Yeah, I, I think probably right now their their offense is their best defense. So, and um, Jeff mentioned those injuries too. That can catch up to you, but um, I, you know that that that's still like the Eagles game, first game. So this will this will be fun to watch and, and see what happens. But I, I really I really like what uh, Nick Sirianni did. He he had a a really basic good plan, and uh, and he got the guys to buy in. My favorite part of the the news conferences was uh, listening to Brandon Graham and uh, talking about what Nick Sirianni had said to them during the week. And again, before the game, he said that uh, he was really mad about, um, you know, the first press conference, how everybody ripped him, (laughs) which I thought was that first press conference was one for the ages. It was, it was just really out there, but he, he, uh, he, Nick told that he told his players about that and he asked them to help, help make it right, you know, and uh, talk about using every little tool you have at your disposal. I mean, so this guy, and and I got to say something else too, just looking at a coach. I mean, I know he's 40 and it's hard for me to believe somebody can, can be 40 and and be a head coach because I'm an old head now, but to watch him walk into that, that stadium, they showed him on a video walking in with a backpack on. (laughs) That was, I've never seen that Jody, not not in my whole career as a sports writer have I seen a head coach come in. It's usually a briefcase, you know, maybe a sport coat, you know, a real businessy look. But this guy walks in with a backpack. He's got his sunglasses, you know, right there, stuck in the, the front of his shirt. I mean, he, it was just – he looked like he was going to go surfing or something. You know? So, <laughs> I mean, it, that, that was really laid back. And, and the players reflected it too. I don't know what the dress code is, but it, it certainly isn't business casual. I like the fact that uh, Sirianni was true to his nature and was going to get ready for his first game the way he got ready for all of his games. As a coach, more power to him. The big question I have, Bob, and maybe you can shed some light to this, it looks like he's got his hockey playoff beard going. It seems like it's growing a little bit, and he did get a big win here in the first week. Are we going to see Grizzly Adams-like Nick Sirianni before game two against the 49ers? No, I, I don't know about that, Jody, but but you are going to start seeing him share that uh, that handshake he has. It looks like a like a Phillies home run handshake, you know, all those different things Bryce Harper and his guys have. I think you're going to see him sharing that with other guys too. They're going to want part of that. The the one that he did yesterday with um, with Jalen Hurts and um, and I, you know he talked about connecting and stuff. I, he's done it. I mean, it's one game, but he's connected and. Um, he said yesterday that when you connect it, it makes everything, the, the locker room celebrations, everything feel a little bit better. So uh, for, for uh, one week at least, they're, they're feeling a little bit better. Yeah, Bob, uh, when I talked to Jalen Hurts, um, I, I, 
been two weeks now, but I asked him about, you know, the not exactly the relationship with Nick Sirianni, but like behind the scenes stuff, you know, the competitions he does and the stuff he does with his guys in the locker room. And Hurst just kind of laughed at me and said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you about this stuff after the season. And I'm like, all right. So it's, it does seem like there's some sort of uh, code there for, you know, let, let's not expose the head coach too much. Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, Doug Peterson was a, a player's coach, but in a much different way. So uh, I remember him giving, you know, if somebody made a, if, if a kicker made like a 52-yard field goal at practice, everybody was done for the rest of practice. They're all standing around cheering on the, the uh, kicker. Different strokes, different folks. But uh, he, he's definitely got the attention of this team. And, uh, you know, it, there, there's 16 more to go. It's hard, you know. It's hard to just to even say that after the first game. There's 16 to go, you know. Like, um, it's it's a long season, so uh, you know we'll we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see how they do the rest of September. It's a tough schedule. It is the biggest season in the history of the National Football League. That's how they promote it. Because yeah, they added one more game. Get that ESPN. Get that NFL Network. Kind of overstated, but I digress. Last thing, Bob. What's it going to be like down at uh, the link next week? Last year, you were there for all the games, partial crowds at best. I give them credit. They were loud for only being one quarter full, but it will be filled to the rim next week off a very impressive Eagle victory. How much of a lift can the crowd give the birds when they come home next Sunday against San Francisco? Yeah, if they score right away, it'll be like, uh, it'll be like that Vikings game in the playoffs when uh, Patrick Robinson Return the uh, return the interception for a touchdown. It, they'll that, that'll be a that'll make a difference. And uh, and we know this. We we've seen Eagles games. They're, those those fans are good for at least two false starts a game on the opposition. So uh, so that that'll help. But the defense is going to need that. I think. I th- you know they're still uh, Matt Ryan when they when they could run the ball. They he still found some holes in that secondary. So uh, you know I, I think uh, Jimmy Garoppolo he. For all the, the criticism he gets, he's pretty good. He had that. He had a bad game in the Super Bowl, which is not a good time to, to show up there. But he's still pretty good. And Trey Lance, you know, I, I, I have to prepare for two quarterbacks. That's a, that's a little bit of a curveball for, uh, for uh, Jonathan Gannon, I would think. Eagle fans be chomping at the bit to get back at him at the link next week, as will Bob Groats. Bob, thanks for hopping on. Uh, appreciate it, uh, bud. You know we'll hit you plenty during the season, and we'll see how tough the schedule gets from here. We all agree it's going to get tougher. Don't know if it's not another win till they get to the Lions a little bit later on in the season, but they got a W early. Thanks, buddy. All right. See you, guys. That is Bob Groats from the Delco Times here with us on Birds. 365. All right, Jeff uh, Kerr in for Johnny Mac today with me, Johnny Mac. We still got a half an hour to continue to give credit where credit is due to the one and zero Philadelphia Eagles at their opening game win against the Atlanta Falcons. Coming back here on Birds 365 next. Hey, Eagles fans, if you're a subscriber to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you are already registered to win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming season. That's right. You could win a pair of season tickets for the upcoming 2021 season just for being a subscriber. If you're watching and you're not a subscriber, do it now. Subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel right now. What do you need to do? Subscribe right now. As a hardworking American, 
you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. It's Birds 365, victorious one. Our first time on a Monday after an Eagles win. We started the show about five months ago here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And yes, they had three preseason games this year. And yes, the Eagles didn't win any of them. They were 0-2-1 with the infamous tie against the Jets. This, of course, the most important game of the four that the Eagles played here in 2021. The only one that counts regular season. An impressive win against the Falcons down in Atlanta. J.K., Jeff Curran for John McMullen. Um, a lot of things could oppress you with what the birds did. Was there one that would you you would rate above all others that stuck out to you or was the thing that you're going to carry going forward and saying, if this stays, man, that bodes well for the Eagles for the 2021 season? Yeah, Jerry, I think I mentioned this a little earlier too. Um my biggest pet peeve in sports are blown leads. When you blow the at halftime after the third quarter, whatever. And as a Penn State fan, I'm used to this. So, yeah, a lot of blown leads. It frustrates me to no end. But the way Nick Sirianni handled that second half, running the football, 
down that team's throat, using Miles Sanders, using Kenny Gainwell, and yeah, he got stopped on the fourth and two. Okay, but Nick Sirianni controlled the clock that second half. You know, the Falcons had the ball 11 minutes in that first quarter. The Eagles only had it four. And the Eagles are lucky they scored on that first possession because it could have been ugly quick, at least early on. But the way he rested that defense up with a 15-6 to lead and outscored them 17-0 in the second half, if the Eagles do that most of this year, they're going to win this division. They're going to win the NFC East because they can pound the football with anybody and – in this division, and it, really against any team in this league, you can run the football in the second half. You are going to win football games, bottom line. And he did that with Miles Sanders. He did that with Kenny Gainwell. Used the short passes, used the screens. I love the way he executed that game in the second half, especially when I got the 15 to 6. Yeah, you and I are on close to the same page there. Uh, you like the way the game finished. I like the game in its totality from a play-calling standpoint because – Yes, the Eagles got the ball back after giving up a field goal, went right down the uh, field and got a touchdown. So right off the bat, the Eagles look good on a play calling aspect. I had no idea what kind of a play caller Nick Sirianni was because I understood he learned at the foot of Frank Reich uh, coming from the San Diego system first and talked a lot about how the fact that uh, they had different quarterbacks there than they did in Indianapolis, and they had to adjust to the different quarterbacks they had. He sang a pretty good song, and and I, I thought he came off as a guy who understood uh, what putting a an offensive football team together was all about. But the actual playing of calls while the game is ongoing, that 40-second clock hits, and you got to have the right call with the right players on the field with the right designation and get it in quickly enough for the quarterback to implement it. There's an art to that. That That is something that you have to do to be able to do over and over and over again and become accomplished at it. He looked like a guy who'd been calling plays for four, five, six years in the National Football League, not like a rookie wet behind the ears guy who had never done it before. He looked old hat at it. A big part of that is the relationship that he has with Jalen Hurts. He surely has talked about it enough. They show it on the sidelines. Bob Groats brought up the great point about the handshake that he has with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot to say for the quarterback and the head coach, the play caller, being on the same page. All we have to do is turn back the page one year to Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz when if there were two guys that weren't on the same page, it was the head coach of the Eagles and their starting quarterback last year. It was so refreshing to see the head coach and the quarterback in simpatico the way they were. Uh, but as good as Hertz was, I think I got to give a bigger nod to Nick Sirianni because at least Hertz did get a chance to play a little bit last year. His debut as a play caller for me, for Nick Sirianni, was a, uh, yeah, that fourth and two call the game well, rolled the dice, that kind of blew up in his face. That keeps it from being an A+. plus. But he was this close to being an A-plus as far as a grade goes for play calling game one in the Nick Sirianni era. Yeah, Nick Sirianni was phenomenal in calling this game. And I'll say this, Joe, you talk about that relationship with Jalen Hurts. I'm telling you this, they've been practicing that since day one, since the day they traded Carson Wentz. 
and Jalen Hurts was going to be the starting quarterback. No matter what the Eagles said or what the front office was trying to do, Nick Sirianni worked with this guy and said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. He ran – and this is what I love guys that started Division Three, Division Two, come from those backgrounds. Division Three has been running hurry-up offenses for about 20, 25 years. Mount Union is one of those schools that's been doing it for a very, very long time. And Nick Sirianni picked that up. You know, he was with, under Mike McCoy – and uh, who, by the way, is kind of with the, I guess he's kind of with the Eagles. I don't know his exact role, but, you know, Mike, Mike McCoy, he did that in San Diego. And then, you know, going with Frank Reich and, you know, Shane Steichen did it last year, um, you know, under Anthony Lim, Justin Herbert. It was just a combination of things. And I think that's football now. It's getting, you're prepared before, for the game, way before the game. It's not, you know, you, you package this set of plays and this is what we're going to run. No, you kind of prepared for week one five, six weeks ago. And I think that's what the Eagles did. I think they knew exactly how they were going to attack this football team. They had all offseason to prepare for that. And, I mean, Nick Sirianni, that Eagles team was as prepared as an Eagles team I have seen in the game in a very, very long time. And, you know, offensively, defensively, everything was sharp with them. It's, you know, again, yeah, it's hard to give the guy anything lower than an A+. I mean, the Duke call was the only thing that – Blew up in his face, but overall, what a performance! What a debut for a head coach. You know, I, I hope it doesn't end up like Marion Campbell. I remember he had a great debut as a head coach too. When I rewatched the Eagles game back back in the day, Marion Campbell ended up being god awful. I, I hope it doesn't go that route. But Nick Sirianni looks like he knows what the heck he's doing. And one of the things I enjoy doing, uh, and I've been doing it on my show on the radio for years. Uh, first chance we get to do it here on Birds Three Sixty Five is I like to look at the number of snaps that everybody played and read into it, try and take some uh, meaning out of it. Uh, let you and I do that for a couple of minutes here. Uh, on the offensive side, no great surprise that six players played every single snap. It's a really good thing. You don't uh, see it often, but if no one gets hurt, it's nice when it happens. All five offensive linemen took every single snap yesterday, as did the quarterback Jalen Hurts. Um, we remember back to 2017 when the Eagle offensive line was as healthy as it was. All of them start all of the games together. Uh, I know it's only one game, but not only is it one game, it's one game and every snap is a unit. I know you don't usually shuttle guys in and give guys breaks, but there wasn't an Eagle offensive lineman that came off the field for one snap yesterday. That's a real good sign, Jeff Kerr. Yeah, it's a very good sign. And, you know, that's what the, I am. I didn't really get a chance to look at all snap counts yet. That's something I'm going to do with the second we get off this show. But, yeah, um, overall, with the snap counts, again, I'd love to see the whole balance of J.J. Uh, Ortega Whiteside, Quez Watkins, uh, Greg Ward. I don't, Did he play that much, Jody? He did not. Um, he played all of 16 snaps, 11 of which he played on special teams. So from uh, line of scrimmage, only five snaps yesterday. Uh, as a matter of fact, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside uh, played the same number of snaps that he did. Oh, how about that? So that's a, Well, that's still five more to Boston Scott, so you got to give him credit there. But uh, uh, overall, I think that was the most uh, – we kind of talked about this earlier. That was the most surprising revelation to me. Like, Boston Scott wasn't even anywhere near the field, uh, you know, at least, uh, you know, on, on offense. It was, okay, so what are they going to do with this guy? I thought he was going to be number two back. But, you know, as McMullen pointed out earlier, Kenny Gainwell – and those Jets joint practices in that game, I think that showed him enough. Like he was going to be number two. I, I liked how 
basically the offensive line was pretty much cohesive the entire game. Uh, same Fletcher Cox. Did Fletcher Cox end up playing a hard, uh, did he play every snap? He did not. Well, Fletcher plays uh, because they used the shuttling in and out of the defensive tackles. He played uh, 57% of the snaps okay, on defense. I, I, that's actually really good for, for them. I, I know they rotate, but it felt like Fletcher Cox was in almost every play. I, I, again, I got to rewatch the game. But, you know, from what I was, to my understanding, he was going to play about 75 80% of the snaps this year. So the fact that he only played 57%, that's going to be great for a 17-game season. The guys who played uh, 100% on defense were Steven Nelson every single snap. Darius Slay did come out for a couple of slaps, snaps. They had 72 on uh, defense. Slay only played 70, but uh, Nelson played every single snap, as did Anthony Harris, the other safety, which makes sense because Marcus Epps went out. They might have uh, rotated Kayvon Wallace in and give him a shot in, in Harris's spot as well. But they couldn't do that because Epps was out, which means they leaned on Harris to play every single snap. Who was my grade of Anthony Harris game one? I didn't notice him, and I'm okay with that because there's one of two ways it goes. You notice a guy because he's making plays, or you notice a guy because he's giving up big plays. I don't remember any negative plays for Harris yesterday. I don't remember any splash or big-time plays either. He got in and out of the game playing every single snap, Without uh, anybody questioning the, the things that he did, I thought it was a pretty good game for Harris, his first game in an Eagle uniform. Yeah, I I think so too. And they needed someone to – I don't want to say he's going to be Malcolm Jenkins because they're completely different players, but they needed someone to kind of fill that, that coverage void event. And I, I'm really excited to see what Rodney McClaw gets healthy, what him and Anthony Harris can do. Because Anthony Harris, he had a load on his plate yesterday. You know, Marcus Epps getting hurt. You might have had the cover for Kwan Wallace at some point. Uh, I know he helped out in containing uh, Calvin Ridley a bit, the, the parts of the game I rewatched. I thought he had an excellent game in coverage. Again, uh, you know, they, they really didn't have to stop the run because they didn't really run his way. It was more of they were attacking Eric Wilson and the linebackers more than, more than Anthony Harris. But you're right, Jody. Um, you know, I didn't hear his name, good or bad. And when you're in the secondary, it, it, secondary and offensive line are the two, but when you don't hear their names, it's usually a pretty good thing. A little bit surprised at the linebacker position. I thought that Singleton would be the guy who would be on the field most of the snaps. You know, Ian basically say that the base defense is a two-linebacker look because Avante Maddox played a ton yesterday. Other teams, the Falcons, I think most teams are going to be in, in three wide receiver sets, so the Eagles are going to have uh, three DBs on the field for most of the time. Wilson actually logged 85% of snaps at the linebacker and Singleton 60%. I still think Singleton is their best line linebacker. Uh, Wilson may be more of the, the middle guy that you got to keep on the field. But I, I thought that Singleton would at least equal him, if not surpass him, for numbers of snaps. Again, Wilson, I saw Wilson miss a couple of tackles, as a matter of fact. I didn't uh, see that from their starting safety, the two new defenders who came in from Minnesota. Um, I, I He didn't make any big plays. He did miss a couple as far as I was concerned, but the Eagles had faith. They kept them out there, 85% of the snaps. And I think they had to because Eric Wilson's strength is pass coverage, and that's what he was known for in Minnesota. He definitely was not a good run stopper. He definitely is not a good tackler. But I think when that game got out of hand, you knew the Falcons were going to throw the ball. 
And that, that's where you play the Eric Wilson strength. You know, he, he can pretty much cover a guy like a Kyle Pitts or, you know, he, he can cover tight ends like Hayden Hurst, whoever it will be. And the Falcons did do a couple two tight end sets there. I'm surprised they didn't even go to Hayden Hurst as much. But, again, it's hard to do that when you're getting pressure right up the middle uh, from the Eagles' defensive line. So, yeah, uh, I wasn't surprised Eric Wilson played as much as he did. Uh, Singleton, I think you're going to see him a little more next week because he is a guy that finds the ball carrier, and you're going to need that against a 49ers team that's going to throw. I don't know where he most is going to play. It looks like he got hurt again. I know he left the game, but you still have uh, Elijah Williams, who came out of nowhere yesterday. Trey Sermon, the surprise inactive. I think uh, Kyle Shannon will use him. Jermichael Hasty, Jeff Wilson. I mean, you just got guys uh, across the board there. So you're going to need Alex Singleton there. I, I think you'll see Eric Wilson snaps dip a bit next week just because it's not good against the run. Right. And uh, the other linebacker again. And we're nitpicking. We know the Eagles won in a blowout. I uh, don't want to come off as negative Nellies. But I questioned him during the preseason, and I still don't love him at the position. They're trying to change his position from defensive end to a linebacker. Jannard Avery just doesn't bring enough when he's on the field to me. He's not a playmaker. He's not a guy who is in the right place at the right time. I know they still have some confidence and some faith in him, and he played a goodly amount yesterday, but I don't know what Jannard Avery is going to be able to bring to this defense over the course of all 17 games. Yeah, I, I think overall, like that Sam linebacker position, I think that's a way to get Ryan Kerrigan in as an extra pass rusher personally. And, you know, Jannard uh, Avery, I, I'm i trying to remember, I think it was the first quarter, maybe the first drive, he like completely whipped on a tackle or something like that. He he, he looked bad. I, I think if there was an NFL blooper reel, he'd be on it. But, yeah, I'm not sure what to make of him either. I, I like the guy. I, I think that the guy does have promise. You know, obviously – you know, with that 49ers game last year, he broke out. And, you know, so at least you know he can do something. But, yeah, overall, I, I think he's he's a good depth linebacker, I, you know, especially how they want to use him. But I just think it's more of we gave up a fourth-round pick for this guy. We don't want to get rid of him yet because the guy has shown flashes. He does have some potential. But I ultimately think that Sam linebacker spot is for uh, a Ryan Kerrigan more than him. Yeah, he made uh, one more tackle than you and I yesterday. So, uh, and you're right, he played well in that game. Who are they playing this week again? San Francisco 49ers. Who did they, what game did you think he played well in last week year? San Francisco 49ers. Oh, okay, so may, maybe he's a uh, 49er killer. We'll see. I tend to doubt it, but uh, should be a uh, fun upcoming game. You mentioned all the things that the 49ers do on offense that the Eagles are going to have to deal with. Uh, I think Sermon is going to play this week, depending on uh, the health of their starting back, which we won't know about till later on in this week. Uh, the Lion defense, excuse me, the 49er defense against the Lions was very good early. They did let them back into the game. We know they've got the ability with Bosa to get to the court, to the, to the quarterback, but um, what kind of game plan? No, we're still six days away, but uh, we're going to start the look ahead. We always do. As soon as you put one in the books, be it a win or a loss, Thankfully, this one was a win. Um, how do you think the Eagles defense matches up against, uh, excuse me, how do you think the Eagles offense is going to be able to move the ball against that San Francisco defense? Well, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, you're up this week because the 49ers, whether it was Robert Saw or uh, D'Amico Ryans now, our old friend D'Amico Ryans is their defense coordinator now, they cannot cover a tight end. It, it's really weird because Fred Werner is on their team. But TJ Hawkinson went off yesterday. TJ Hawkinson is one of the more underrated tight ends in football, but Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz can really go off against this team. I would expect a, a little bit more 12 personnel this week if Zach Ertz is able to go. It looks like he will be, but 
Jalen Hurts is going to have opportunities to get them the football and allow them to get yards after the catch because that's what Hawkinson did yesterday. They when the Eagles go in the red zone, I would definitely go to those two. Um, you know, because that's how you beat the 49ers pass rush. They're going to get to you. But the Eagles have two things that can contain them. Get rid of the ball quick to your tight ends and let them make big plays down the field or, you know, off a 10-yard pass, which they have. Oh, and they got a mobile quarterback that can run away from Nick Bosa, from Eric Armstead, from uh, D. Ford and all those guys. So, you know, it, that's the thing. I think the, the Lions showed me yesterday. You can score some points off the 49ers. I know it looked like a blowout early, but Dan Campbell, that team plays for him. Uh, you know, everybody wants to make fun of Dan Campbell and the kneecaps and the Lion thing, but I said this all season. I'm like, they may be bad, but they're going to play for this guy. And they definitely played for Dan Campbell yesterday. They didn't give up. They almost had a chance to pull off a, a monumental upset. And I, I, I know it was the long shot, long shots, but if you're the Lions, I mean, really, the Lions are bad because their defense sticks. So, seven straight games giving up 30-plus points. I don't see the Eagles giving up 30 points to the 49 I know the 49ers' offense is good, but you can keep that game in the 20s, they have a shot. And who who would have thought that Fred Warner's big play was going to be uh, going to come on recovering an onside kick at the end of the game? Greg Kittle couldn't come up with it, and that's why the Lions got a chance to make it a one-score game. Fred Warner was the guy who did eventually uh, corral that final onside kick and end the game and put it in the W column for the 49ers. Uh, one last question for you, Jeff. Jeff Laurie was the guy who decided at the end of the game he was going to give the game ball, present the game ball to Nick Sirianni, which could have been looked at as a little self-serving because he, of course, was the guy who hired Nick Sirianni. He was the guy who fired Doug Peterson. And, yeah, for one game, the new era has started in a very bright way with their win over the Falcons. Although I want to nitpick it, I can't. Sirianni was just that good. He deserved the game ball. As good as Hurts was, great debut by uh, Devonta Smith. Defense after being shredded the first two possessions, completely shut down afterwards. I thought Sirianni deserved the game ball. How about you? That's his first win as an NFL head coach. You better get the game ball, <laughs> Jody. I mean, it, yeah, what, what a performance by, by Nick Sirianni. You know, I remember seeing the head coach rankings this year. We did them in CBS Sports, and everybody was like, Arthur Smith was one of the best hires. And, you know, I, I like the Robert Sala hire a lot. Um, you know, but it was like Nick Sirianni and Dan Campbell were, and David Culley were the head scratchers. And the Lions played really well yesterday against a really good 49er team. David Culley got a win. I know it was the Jaguars. It wins a win. Some people thought Texans were going 0-17. I am at 1-16, being the Jaguars one of the two. Not week one, but and Nick Sirianni, he outclassed Arthur Smith. I mean, you're a Falcons fan on a Monday morning right now. You're calling into uh, – Whoever, uh, you know, uh, Kincaid's old show, I think uh, the Buck show or whatever it is now, and you're venting because it, that looked absolutely atrocious. Al Arthur Smith. So Nick Sirianni really looked like he was the guy on him. Um, you know, it, it looked like a home run hire after the first game. You got to give the game ball to Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I would say the Falcons are going to be a team when the season's over and done with. We look back and go, yeah, so what? They beat the Falcons. I don't think they're going to be very good, but nobody was throwing bouquets the Eagles' way before the season started. Uh, and, oh, by the way, a win on Tony the road. Romo. Uh, Tony Romo did. That's what he told me. So. 
Yeah, how high did he set that bar? I know he did say, you're right, I remember, we talked about it here on Birds 365, that uh, two, two group, one individual and uh, one group that he put the bar up pretty high for, which I thought was actually a little bit much, uh, was uh, the, the Jets rookie starting quarterback, Zach Wilson, oh, yes. saying he reminds him of Mahomes. He hadn't played a game in the league yet. He reminded him of Mahomes and could quickly play himself into a top three to five quarterback in the league. Nothing like setting the bar this high, Tony. Thanks. And he did with the Eagles, too, that a lot of people were uh, underrating and underranking him coming in. What was his number with the Eagles? Do you remember? 10, 11 wins. So the, I got a funny story about that. I got to interview him twice for the season, and it was in back-to-back weeks. And the first was on a conference call, a bunch of reporters for CBS, but I'm allowed to get a question, and obviously because we work for the same company. But then I got my one-on-one with him, and I said, you remember how many wins you picked them for? And, he, and I said 10 or 11. He goes, I didn't pick them, did I? And I showed him the quote. And he's like, oh, God. I'm like, hey. and he's like, you know what? Yeah, I actually do think I can win 10 or 11 games. And he said, because their offensive line is just as good as that. He asked me, he goes, what do you think about their offensive line? I said, I think they're one of the best in football. He goes, see, I agree with you. I do, too. I think that, you know, Brandon Brooks coming back was going to be huge for them. And he loves their defensive line. He said, they got Fletcher Cox on their on their defensive line. That means they're pretty good. So, he loved – he thinks football is one of the trenches. He said, you know, that's how – I thought we had a good team in 2007 with Dallas, you know, because, you know, we were good in the trenches until the end of the season, and then everything kind of fell apart. But he said, as long as they got that, he said, Jalen Hurts is a golden opportunity here. And he said, I wouldn't bet against that kid either, you know. And he, he thinks Nick Sirianni is a really, really good football coach. He said, you know, from what I've heard about him, what I've seen with him in San Diego and Indianapolis, he said the Eagles made the right hire. He said – they're going to surprise some people this year, he said, and especially in that division. He's high on them. He said, I, I would not be shocked if they want 10 or 11 games. The key to the Eagles' offensive line, of course, is health. And let me just repeat this one more time. 71 offensive snaps yesterday. Jalen Hurts took all 71, as did Isaac Sayamalu, Jordan Mailata, Lance, uh, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, and Isaac Sayamalu. Every single offensive lineman took every single snap which means we're one for one on health of the Eagles offensive line. Thank 16 God. more games to go, but they are one for one for complete health. So maybe Tony Romo is on to something. All right, JK, we'd be out of time. Good job as always when we uh, call on you out of the pen. You do the job for us. Thank you for that. We'll try and get you on later in the week, buddy. Uh, thanks for doing it with us today. Oh, sounds great, Joe. It's always great to be on on the Victory Monday, isn't it? Yes, it is. One down. 16 to go. Looking forward to being here with you guys every single week after the Eagles game. Hopefully enough Eagle wins here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Hey, everybody. This is Krause of the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thanks for watching this video. And before we do anything else, make sure you watch, like, and subscribe to the Jacob Media YouTube channel and leave a comment below that you are subscribed. This video is all about our big 2021 season ticket holder 
giveaway. That's right. We're giving away a pair of Eagle season tickets for the entire season. You'll go to all eight games at the link. Now, here are the rules. Remember, first, like, share, and subscribe. Let us know below that you have subscribed to the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You must follow all of the rules leading up to our giveaway, which will take place on Friday, September 17th. More on that in a moment. You must confirm in the description of this video that you are subscribed. And on Friday night, September 17th, starting at 7 p.m., when we'll do a live broadcast right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you must be present on that Friday night. Again, a pair of Eagle season tickets for the 2021 season. You're going to absolutely, absolutely love it. Why is Jacob Media giving away a pair of Eagle season tickets on behalf of all of our subscribers, our new subscribers, and those subscribers who have been with us from the very beginning? This is our way of saying thank you. But wait. There's more. Thursday night on September 16th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Screwballs in King of Prussia. So if you're from the Philadelphia region, get the Screwballs in King of Prussia. Five pairs of opening tickets for the game against San, Fr uh, the game against San Francisco. Eagles jerseys, giveaways, bus trip details, all kinds of great stuff coming out. And oh, by the way, we're going to begin registering for our trip to Las Vegas when the Eagles go in to Vegas to play the Raiders. All of this compliments and courtesy of Jacob Media Sports. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.